you're the worst kind of human being ever. By the way, I meant to tell you, I uh, got around and started watching Terra's House. I'm watching uh, the latest season on Netflix, Opening New Doors, I think. Yeah. And I'm like 20 or so episodes in. They've spent a couple of months in the yeah. in there. Is that the original cast or? There's some people, a lot of people left actually okay. where I'm at. So that, that was my first surprise. I didn't know the cast changed. I didn't know people could leave and come back. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> I guess that's interesting. My main question about it though is what is the delay between the shooting and the air, airing in Japan? Like, can they see themselves? Yeah. So not that much. Uh, so you'll see that maybe a, a bit after. I, I think it was around the 20th episode, but like someone go in while already in love with some guy that is in the show because she saw the guy in the show. So I think it's like three, maybe three weeks, one month off. One month? I don't, I have I no clue. it was I, a bit more. I have no clue. Because so far they haven't acknowledged the show at all, except uh, one of the very, very newcomers where I'm at. Uh, she says, oh, you said that at the beginning. So I'm, I'm waiting for it to be more meta. <laughs> Apparently, like other seasons are more meta than this one, but it will be referenced more and more. I think obviously more the show is live, more people see it. Okay, I guess this has there's a, a, a delay at the beginning. But I think like what's also super interesting is there's that, like people can come in and come out during the show, but also you don't know where it, when it ends. And apparently no one knows. <laughs> well, I guess people at Netflix must know. But yeah, I don't know. If people can come in and out, I guess it means we, there's no clear, clear predefined end. I can spoil you a bit because no, don't spoil. I've checked the rule online, but I think it's part of like the interest. Like the interesting thing about the series. Uh, but like, what did you like? What do you think? Do you think it's just a normal reality show that is not worth more than I don't know Big Brother, or do you feel like it's a bit different? I think the way the the fact that it's integrated in the uh, in the real life, and also the fact that there is this element of self reflection where people will watch themselves and will talk to people who watch them, makes it weirdly interesting. But I really, really hate i think uh reality tv in general i mean uh it makes it makes me really uncomfortable watching terrace house because i get the the panelists are basically judging the people most often mocking the people like yeah it, it makes it seems like they're talking about them behind their backs and they have like literally behind their backs no possibility of retaliation and that's that makes me a bit uncomfortable but that's just me i guess so it's not really behind their back because they can actually watch so after well one uh, a few months after so you can't really go back but but like i do agree that like it's a one one way discussion but i really feel the thing which i want to talk about is that i really feel that show is completely different than any show where you see people live in for 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 the thing that we talked about earlier, meaning they're completely following their life, meaning they're having the job, they're going to uni, blah, blah. They can leave the house whenever they want. They can do pretty much what they want. There's no actual show, meaning they don't need to do anything about the show. And also the second thing, and which weirded me out a bit, uh, a bit at the beginning, 
is Adidas camera everywhere, obviously, but they never acknowledge Adidas camera ever. Yeah. And and like it's just this super weird feeling of actually watching people live, and I was really wondering how do they do that? Like, is there hidden cameras or? Well, in the house, there's probably cameras like set because it's always the same locations. But when they go on dates or something like that, there has to be people following them around. Exactly, but it feels so weird because sometimes it feels so real, like such a normal conversation. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I understand. It's like yeah. super open about the life, except for this one. Detail. And apparently it's even open about the fact that it's a show yeah. that people watch it. But yeah, it's like the one taboo. You don't show the camera. I don't know. It's probably more from an aesthetical point of view because it looks better that way than than out of like really not wanting to acknowledge it because they are like they are acknowledging the fact that it's a show. Right? And the second thing also that I find super interesting is that all like, and that's a bit weird, but it's in Japan with Japanese people, <laughs> and that fact for me changed everything because. I don't think it will be that interesting for me to watch it if I watch Japanese. I think it's super interesting to watch us to watch them because I feel like they're not like Westerners at all. Yeah, you're discovering a society significantly different from yours. But exactly. But the same for them watching. Well, they, there's no equivalent because the Big Brother house doesn't show society. <laughs> a, a hypothetical show that so, shows society the other way around or anything like but that. But I think it's super valuable as an anthropologic tool. This episode is brought to you by chairs. Do you ever feel like gravity is pulling you down? Do you ever wish to share the load of your potential energy with some inanimate object? Well, chairs is the way to go. Chairs will provide you with a conveniently placed flat surface to distribute all your gravitational pull, lowering its density to a much more pleasant level than your usual discrete number of legs. Once again, we have a pretty good transition because I've reached a point in uh, Terra's house where this guy at some point tries to kiss this girl and she is not like saying no, but she's not saying yes either. And he's going uh, about it in a super weird way and so awkward, like he completely twists her head. I don't know if you remember that moment. I remember. And I thought that was really cringy and a great way to segue into the question of what is the balance of cringe. Oh, be- just before talking about balance of cringe, uh, maybe we, we should define, define we should cringe. define balance. Yes. Oh, wait, oh, okay. I'm going to <laughs> in, in a more philosophical manner. We need to define every term. So what is violence and what is cringe? Violence, yeah. Uh, violence will be super easy, I guess. No, no. Violence is whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, the, that's, there's a question that uh, raises when you talk about cringe is like, is this cringe? Like, are you talking about yourself or someone else? And then you feel completely different about it. So violence was the, when we wrote down these words on the draft, it was supposed to be like the way you feel about it. And it's actually in reaction to uh, our presentation episode because you said, like, I hate cringe. And we had many, many listeners inquiring about more, more information about that, like why and how. 
so the balance is like, yeah, you saying I hate cringe or I love cringe, but I'm not sure if you can say such a generic straight statement about such a complicated topic. I think we can start with the definition of cringe. What is cringe? Yeah, let, let's start. Yeah, exactly. What is cringe? Do you have a good definition? What is cringe in the dictionary first? So I have. I think we always need to, to, to start with dictionary. That's the most boring way to study a topic. Textbook. Textbook. So overdone. To recoil in distaste. Yeah. So from my, from my extensive research this afternoon, uh, cringe is that feeling uh, you get when you empathize with someone who is in a very awkward situation. In a cringy situation. In a cringy Is that feeling? To make it circular. Yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia. Cringe, the feeling you get when you cringe. Okay. <laughs> That's dictionary for you. Uh, I told you that was a bad idea. Uh, no, but I think it's like, I think, I also think that uh, to recall in distaste, I think what is distasteful can be always cringy. And you always feel cringe when you find something distasteful. When you saw that guy turn the head forcefully to kiss her, to kiss that girl, you find it disdainful and you felt cringe. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes you might find, uh, like, I don't know, someone's outfit distasteful because they put, like, yeah, the and wrong colors cringy. and you wouldn't say cringe. For them. Really? Isn't that... <laughs> Isn't that a bit strong? Sometimes they just don't care. But this then is strong as well i guess like you don't feel this painful because like you put a dark blue instead of a white blue <laughs> you find this painful if they put like a very wrong outfit uh, i don't i don't really like disdain because it has a connotation of value okay and cringe doesn't well just because someone makes you cringe doesn't think you're better than them mm. it means they fucked up right now maybe i don't know i mean each time you cringe for someone you're putting a judgment of that's not what you should do i'm not sure sometimes it's just like no one's fault and bad stuff happens and there's no way do you have an example i I'm not really good at coming up with examples on the on the spot, and maybe that's because I guess in cringe there's always like an element of action. You cringe because someone does something. Mm. I don't. Know. You can cringe about something that someone say. Yeah, but saying something is doing something. Is the okay, 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 okay. speaking. It's never like passive. Okay. It's always active. Is what I meant. What you're saying is you can't cringe if something happened to someone. Well, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with examples on the fly of something, like, uh, I, I guess not. I have, an, I have a counter-example. Ah, uh -huh, good. Uh, if, if someone on the street gets cheated by a, by a bird, okay. is it cringy or is it just laughable? No, it's just sad. <laughs> okay, I, I agree, I agree, I agree. I don't feel it's cringy. So, we, have, I, we actually have two rules cringy comes from the person it can't be put upon you <laughs> it can't be forced upon you <laughs> yeah uh, and the second one it, it's breaking a rule that you have in mind yeah that's funny because i uh i saw the vsauce episode uh during the re the few research i did for this episode uh, uh, vsauce did a video about the science of awkwardness mm -hmm. And he was uh, saying essentially that cringe is the layer. So you have like laws, then you have etiquette, which is like how to behave properly. And cringe is when you break uh, these implicit rules that are like above the etiquette. 
So if you're just breaking etiquette, it's not cringy. It's just sad. But like if you, <laughs> so if you're just breaking etiquette, it's like uh, uh, bad manners. It's bad manners when it's not cringy. I think it depends. If you come from these really upclass families that use five different cutleries to eat five different kind of foods, you might find you might find cringy some stuff that other class, social economic class, mm. might not find cringy. That's true. That's why I didn't really like uh, his argument. I I thought that was simplistic. Cringe is more complex to define that than just like a few implicit social rules. I think you can be cringy without breaking any rule just by having bad luck. And that's why I don't think you're, you're, you're right. You can't, because cringe, if you think as cringe as you might have bad luck and then it's cringy, then it can just be something that's happening to you. And for me, there's always something that the guy is actually doing. Mm. Because for me, cringe is something that I can't stand. Meaning if I watch a show and the situation is cringy, I'm leaving the room. For example, that example on Terra's house, I left the fucking room. If someone in, I don't know, a talent show is coming and do something very, very awkward, I'm leaving the room. I can't stand the feeling of them. Just being awkward, I feel like is way more withstandable. I can actually stay there and look at them getting awkward. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, so this this is like two. It's a scale of awkwardness, and uh, the threshold you put uh, <laughs> above which it's cringy exactly. is when you leave. Interesting. Yeah, it's true that cringing, cringiness, and awkwardness go hand to hand. But yeah. But to go back to the question, if we want to redefine it, like to narrow it down a bit, the question at the beginning, what what is the balance of cringe? Is that a real question, or is that just easy saying, oh, it's always negative? Well, it's not that simple because it turns out there there is a Wikipedia page called Cringe Comedy that lists uh, shitloads of sitcoms that use this as a humor mechanism, and you've seen some of them and you've liked some of them. So when you say you leave the room every time something's cringy, I don't believe you've left the room during all the episodes of the IT Crowd, for instance. But maybe maybe I don't define cringiness as they do. Because now I'm see I'm saying I'm seeing the listing modern family and I don't feel I don't feel so all of all of these uh, keep uh, have an element of the character I don't know trying too hard uh, being a, a little out of touch for modern family I think they're talking about Phil Dunphy for the IT crowd it's basically the whole cast <laughs> uh, they well, I mean for example Phil Dunphy. I I sometimes leave the room. Okay. Like I can't stand this character. No, I do like him, like as a as a dad, but I don't like him as like a character in the show. Okay, so for you, cringe is always like negative and uh, unbearable. Yeah, I, I I think exactly. I think it's when awkward becomes becomes too awkward. It's like you can you can be awkward and that can be funny, but when you pass a threshold, it becomes too awkward to be socially acceptable. Do you think everyone has, a, has such a threshold? And just most media are below most people's threshold, but above yours? Yeah, maybe I have a very, very low threshold. A very low tolerance? You have a lot of empathy? But I, I, I think my empathy has gone like bigger and bigger, more I grew up. Like before I couldn't, I couldn't cry for my life when I, watch, when I was watching a movie. And now I'm crying for nothing, like for no fucking reason. There's an important point here, that is, uh, you say you can't stand it, but there is a lot of, like, 
a, a big part of the industry working from it. Like? Like all these sitcoms rely on this as a mechanism. And I think there is some kind of institutionalized uh, schadenfreude from... Uh, uh, it used to be back in the 90s, like video, ga video gag in France or America's Funniest Home Video in the US and probably every country has its equivalent. And that was like the 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 ancestor of what we have like failed competitions now and i think there is a a big tradition of people laughing at other people misfalls they are not always cringy but often i think the paramount of cringiness as an id for a show is mr bean it's fair though there's also a, a, a lot of visual comedy so you can just appreciate it regardless of <laughs> but yeah, Mr. Bean is pretty... Uh, the, the, the character in itself is pretty cringe. I don't cringe when I watch Mr. Bean, though. It's so absurd that you don't that you don't project this element of social uh, uh, norms on it. Exactly. So what I feel... I, th I think we got something there. What I feel like is cringe can be a mechanism to get your laugh. And when you're laughing, it's not cringy. It's just the mechanisms that push you to, to make you laugh. So it can be, but if if it's way above the threshold, it becomes funny. For example, Mr. Beans is way above awkward, is way above cringe. Like the whole thing is just a mess. Exaggerated. And so you laugh again, but there's this value of not uncanniness, but of cringiness that is not laughable anymore. That is too close to reality, to an awkward position that you could be in. But that is way a bit too much, and like that little window of cringe. Of I think cringe and awkwardness is actually the same thing. It just cringe is this window of awkwardness that makes you leave the room, and that window is subjective. So you have to to relate with the characters and the circumstances in some way. I think it's at its core empathic. It's an empathic uh, feeling. Yeah. And so different people will have different thresholds to which they re would relate and tolerate. And completely different situation as well. The conclusion I came to is that cringe always has a social element. If, if you're doing something wrong and no one's here to see you, it's not cringy. It's like social embarrassment. You can't be cringy in your own room. You can't be cringy. Can you? You can't be cringy by yourself. Is that it? You can't no. be cringy about your own action. If there's no one. When, if there's no one. So if your cat falls, I mean, there's not a lot riding on it. <laughs> yeah, and he can't feel, he can't. So. But if you were at a cat competition and he, he was supposed to do a trick and he just falls, then it becomes a bit cringy. Well, it becomes cringy about me. <laughs> but, I don't know. But what's about you then? Meaning it has an object, no, but like cringiness as an object. And the object for me is always human. Yeah, the cat doesn't care. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cat has no object. But so the, the is cringiness as an object, is it the, the, is the object the spectator or the author of the action that is cringeworthy? Is, can you repeat it? Is the object of the cringiness the spectator 
that feels bad or the uh, author of the action that does something cringeworthy? I don't think you can feel cringy about yourself. I think you can only feel cringy watching someone get really awkward. Okay, so you're you're explicitly treating your past self as, as another person here because I can very easily feel awkward, uh, feel cringe about what I did yesterday or like 10 years ago. Yeah, but you never feel cringy in the moment. In the moment, you, you feel pressured and awkward. Yeah, but you don't feel cringy, do you? You need like some uh, meta appreciation of your circumstance. Like for example, like example about the show. I was trying to uh, explain standard deviation. During the show, I felt awkward. Like, I couldn't find a good way to, to explain it. Listening to myself, I felt cringy as fuck. Yeah, because cringe is an empathetic response. So it has to be directed at someone else. Even your, be it your past self or someone else in the same uh, space-time moment. <laughs> yeah, it can't be you. It can't be yourself at time t. After that, is is it always the object of awkwardness? You mean the result of awkwardness? Yeah, the result, not the object. Yeah. Is it always the result of awkwardness? Probably, probably. <laughs> This episode's brought to you by Entropy. Tired of feeling like nothing ever happens, like you're stuck in a rut? Well, Entropy is the solution for you. Entropy will give you that much-needed push towards literally anything. And contrary to competitor motivation methods, it has a 100% success rate guarantee. Another definition I stumbled upon, and this one is comes from one of my favorite YouTubers, but like I'm not sure I agree with him. He says that cringe is what happens when there is a big uh, disconnect between your ambition and your the perception of your actual actions. So like you are gonna do like this amazing magic trick, and people uh, see you stumble and you fail miserably and so you had the ambition of success of a grand success and in actuality you're seen as a failure and for him that's cringe uh yeah so the for him it relies a lot on uh on intent and uh for instance if you go on stage and expect like to goof off and to fail then it's not awkward and then you don't have this disconnect. So it's disconnection between intent and reaction. Well, in this framework, in this definition. He was mostly talking about uh, shows that are, about TV shows that are so bad it's good or anime or shows that author intended as serious work and that turned out to be ludicrous. Yeah, that's another question I want to to, to raise. How does that... Uh, yeah, we, we've talked about cringy as a very human and personal experience. How does that uh, fit with movies that are so bad it's good or the, this kind of thing? When when you see like The Room or Rocky Horror Picture Show or Neo Yokio, you don't know Neo Yokio, but it's amazing. No, but like we can talk about, the, for example, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But the Rocky Horror Picture Show is also like it's it's a weird uh, work that sometimes appreciated genuinely sometimes ironically but there is an element of like so bad it's good <laughs> i guess but for me so bad it's good is nothing to do with cringe 
Exactly. It just, you can, if you cringe about something in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's your cringing about the actor that has to do that. You're cringing about the character that do something cringy, for example. To be honest, like, I can't even find one situation in the Rocky Horror Picture Show that made me cringe uh, at all. Like, it's a ridiculous setup. It's a ridiculous film. It's laughable. It's ridiculous. It's not cringe. It's not awkward. Well, there is an awkwardness that comes from the fact that the whole staff and especially the people who put the producers, the people who put the money in it, and I guess some spectators or some imagined spectators were taking this whole thing seriously when it shouldn't have been. Wait, what? Do, what, what? Did people take that seriously? Ever? Well, yeah, I think he was trying to do, to, to do a real science fiction show, like something profound and and good <laughs> like like the room is an ex amazing example and especially like in the film from james franco that uh, uh tells the story of how the room was shot there is this moment at the end so tommy viso when he shot the room he was super serious he was he believed he, he made this super strong drama and at the premiere everybody was laughing their ass off and uh he was with his friend in the backstage and he was starting to feel really 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 bad about that because he spilled his guts on the frame and people were laughing and the, the friend comes to him and he says uh, you know like you're making them feel things like they, 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 i've never seen people so happy and so so that situation was cringy as fuck for him and for well the, the room is a particular case because he's the only force behind the, the film i guess but in the rocky horror picture show i think there's probably several people who, who had to take it seriously yeah. it's cringy for everyone who takes takes it seriously and ends up received that but i mean like how can you take that seriously ever well that's why i'm saying it's a, it's an ambiguous example but there is a lot of so bad it's good movies but like the so bad is good movie is not cringy in itself it's cringy for the people that think it's serious it's people it's cringy for people that created it and think it was serious it's people that see it and don't see that it's so bad or it's so good it's not cringy in itself okay so so if someone calls a work of fiction cringy is because of the awkwardness felt by imaginary like placeholder people representing everyone who took the movie seriously and worked hard on putting it out and believing it's a serious thing and the disconnect between their feeling and the reception of the audience it, it's always mediated by humans in the process so so no, no. Uh, you i don't i i don't i won't call the room a cringy movie well a lot of people do though yeah, I, I know, but like for me, it's the situation is cringy. The situation of the, the creation is cringy. The film in itself is just funny. When you say the situation is what situation? What happens in the movie or what happens in the making of the movie? If a film is cringy, it's about how you film while watching the movie. So what the characters are doing. It's, for example, watching a full film of Mr. Bean if it was a bit less weird. It would be a film about like Phil Dumphy for two hours and just watching him doing weird stuff. That that film would be cringy. Rocky or a picture show, the room are not cringy in themselves. They're cringy about like the situation around it. No? Do you think the difference between you not uh, calling some movies cringy and other people calling some movies cringy is because these other people 
think that the author meant it seriously and cringe for the author or whatever authorial force is behind the work of art and you don't really you abstract that away and focus on the on the show on the contents and i think it's the thing it's a whole dis- like for this case philosophical discussion about art and the author of the art and is it important or not and i don't think it is like i'm yeah so is that is that do you think the difference between you and the people who call the room cringy maybe Maybe for me, I'm completely abstracting the creators and the art. If the art is good, the art is good. I don't care. But for some people, it's super important. And that aspect, the creator aspect is always present when they're watching the movie. And then the movie is cringy, but because the situation of the movie is now part of the movie itself. Meaning when I read Orson Scott Card, well, the first book, I don't think about it as a, as a moron. And I don't see as a moron, <laughs> as a moron. <laughs> I don't think about the, the, the book as a Mormon book. I just, I just think about the book as a science fiction book. Until they make babies. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, in the first, in the first book, you don't in the first book, it's okay, see, yeah. see it that way at all. And I don't care at all. I, I will recommend that book to anyone that, like, comes to me and asks me for a good science fiction yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. It's a great book. But when someone asks me, do I need to, like, are the other book as good? I'm always saying it's good, but you can see the Mormon behind it. And now... Now it, it isn't when I'm reading Orson Scott Card, I can't feel feel that those books are in the essay. I always feeling about the author. Because there's some hint of the author in the book. And then you can feel cringiness. Now I can feel cringiness about him like completely caricaturing his character because he's a Mormon and it doesn't fit at all with the actual story. But because there's a lapse, like there's a lapse in the story that shouldn't happen in good fiction. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, for example, in, in Rocky Horror Picture Show, there's no lapse. I see what you mean. Like it's a good, it's a good... Well, maybe for maybe for you, maybe that's also very personal, uh, depending on the spectator, but that's a completely different topic on uh, author intent in art, which I think is very interesting, but probably the topic for another day. So to come back to, to the idea of cringe, it's always mediated by a human element. Yeah. So to sum up a bit, for me, we, we've said like two or three things that is maybe interesting. The first thing is it's always mediated by something. It has an object. You can't cringe about yourself at the moment that you're doing something. It's always something that you reflect on. The one feeling is it's always human. My cat can feel sadness. It can't feel cringiness. Because it's, it's inherently social. So maybe monkey. That would be a great research paper. A cringiness in monkey. I'm sure it exists. Monkey are so good. Uh, no, but like, so we have that. I think we made a good point, but I'm not sure you agree about the awkward scale and it being a window in the awkward scale. I think it's a nice model to think about it. And it does explain why people have different thresholds and why uh, a lot of people watch The Office and Modern family and you leave the room <laughs> but it's also it's also because of this like necessary object relationship like there is some element of projection and interpretation involved and so there is a lot of subjectivity necessary by its nature yeah i agree and i think that's pretty much it like you've said the last thing like it's subjective yeah there was a nice uh, nice bit about like intent too yeah there's there might or might not be something related to the gap between intent and reaction we need to dive deeper on the subject but we're not here to answer questions we're here to raise them <laughs> to suggest answers not to prove them so we basically discussed about what is cringe instead of what is the valence of cringe because the valence is bad yeah, in in this model where cringiness is the excess of uh... not excess, 
in a window of excessiveness. If it's too excessive, it's fine. Uh, so if cringiness is the peak of awkwardness, it's necessarily bad, but you can leverage the slope leading to this peak, and people all often do in media to have some kind of cringe comedy as defined by Wikipedia. For me, the cringe comedy is misleadingly named. It's it just, they use cringe, but they go forward for it to become again excessive awkwardness, for it to become funny. And then it becomes not cringe again when it's well done, and when it's poorly done, you still leave the room. Exactly. So cringe comedia are only bad comedies. The other one are excessive awkwardness comedies. Cringe, it should be said like cringe inspired, like cringe based comedy. Cringe based. Cringe based, cringe, like this podcast, cringe, cringe based discussions. <laughs> it could have been called like that. It could have been easily. Uh, we'll do a spin-off. But for now, I think that's a nice summary. We're going to leave you here with our subreddit for follow-up questions and further discussions about cringe or anything else you'd like us to talk about. Uh, you can go to notdailypodcast.com or oh. the subreddit, which is reddit slash r slash notdailypodcast. And see you soon for a, a new episode, but not tomorrow. Bye. Bye.